0: Welcome to the show. This week, I have an amazing guest. She is one of my wonderful friends from my NTI cohort with Jude Morrow, and we have really loved connecting with one another. And what we have found is that in our coaching businesses, we have a lot of similar experiences and conversations that we've been having with our ND clients. That's you guys. So we want to share today. My guest is Lex Harvey Brin. She is a neurodiversity coach, and you can find her at coachingneurodiversity.co.uk. She's also an upcoming presenter at the International Coaching Federation for their Indie and Coaching as her topic. She's talking about what it's like, what the differences are, and things that coaches should be aware of when they are coaching Indie clients. And that's coming up June 28th in their Belonging and Inclusion series. But guys, Lex is powerful. She really is changing lives every day. Today in the Autistic Sex Series, we are talking, Lex and I, all about identity, your sexual identity, and sort of this whole process for us as late-identified autistic ADHDers, how do we navigate this, and what questions and questioning, because a lot of us are questioning. We don't necessarily know what our sexual identity is. We're sort of trying to figure it all out, because We discover late in life, there's these, all these variations that we didn't know before because we didn't quite fit into just strategically male or just strategically historically female. And we had a lot of questions. So guys, join us and let's have this conversation today. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carol Jean, founder and host of Mind Your Autistic Brain talk show and community. And you're about to experience the new way to thrive in life and relationships as a late identified autistic by unveiling who you are how you communicate finding your self-care plan from the inside out and being the authentic creator of your best life get ready because this is where we go against the mainstream say no to outdated society norms and we say yes to who we are in order to create a joy-filled balanced and more neurodistinct world welcome to mind your autistic brain Lex, welcome to the show. I'm so excited you're here. Having this conversation with you is really oh, it's exciting. Oh, my absolute
1: pleasure. I'm I'm really excited to be here. Thank you.
0: So, Lex, this is an area that you talk about a lot in your coaching with clients because this is a big topic. This is a really big part of the whole processing, learning that you're, you know, you have a different neurotype. And there's all these levels and layers to uncover. What have you found? absolutely. (laughs) What
1: have you found? Absolutely.
0: The number one place most clients that you coach are starting with this. I mean, where does this conversation start?
1: I think it's predominantly it's from that masking for so long from from being unaware that you're neurodivergent and we have we have so many inputs as far as um, whether it's religious context or the way we're brought up around and particularly around sex where rules get established quite early on so things like sex is dirty or sex is wrong or it's all very very vanilla and very sort of functional have babies get married have sex or whoever, will look happily ever after there's such a a very much um there's a very boxed way of of having a relationship with sex and I think some so often me included because I experience autism and ADHD um, and having been diagnosed later in life I I was so confused and conflicted with all of these rules I knew that it didn't fit my my way of existing. I, I knew that there was something more. There was something different. But I felt that it was very wrong because it was outside of the realms of, of normal. All of those normal people that we we strive to be like before we realize how sparkly and wonderful we really are. Um, so it's and it's and it's something that's continued through. Uh, my journey, not only through uh, my journey of learning about my own neurodiversity, but then as I've gone into coaching and therapy, I've, it's, it's, a, it's a theme that's carried on because it's so closely linked to identity. Um, and one thing I've, I've really noticed is how, and as I say for myself and for, for other people around me, is is actually how much sexual expression links to our identity. And so it can feel quite constricting when you have sensory stuff going on when you have um uh, preferences going on that may be outside of that those realms of, of normal um and and there's there's relationship constructs and there's in issues with intimacy that um I mean it, sometimes the, the, the function of sex is really understandable if you just have meaningless sex friends with benefits all those sorts of things the rules are really clear but you cross that into intimacy where there's a relationship and there's that expectation for more than just that acts there's and, it's, and it, it sort of kicks in with those nuances of communication and social social confusion that we have sometimes. So there can be a lot of times where there's lots of questions about not just not just sex, but also intimacy and relationships and sexual preferences and, and, and desires and kinks. And, and those things can feel quite uncomfortable especially when you're sorry i'll just keep chatting away but if um if you have so when um you also cover that with some sensory stuff some people it can feel quite uncomfortable because they they feel this um that they're sort of deviant somehow because they they like um power play um it's a what a wonderful place to be where someone tells you exactly that what they want you to do when you've got an adhd mind that goes a thousand million miles an hour so submission feels quite, or a submissive role in a relationship can feel quite relaxing because you know exactly what someone wants um and suddenly you go from sort of having to think of all of those thoughts which stifles the ability to enjoy it yourself because RSD kicks in and anxieties kicked in and questions and suddenly it's like oh my gosh what am i cooking for dinner Ah, oh i'm doing this and it's all so discombobulating when actually all you all we need to do so but these questions leave people thinking oh my gosh is am i strange because I like someone telling me what to do or I like being choked because it's not necessarily that there's a desire to be killed by choking. It's just a deep pressure that just is quite comforting for us. Um, and, and so, but when, when sort of the kink world or, or is, is ha- hasn't been explored very well and is still quite underground and sort of quite naughty, it can feel really uncomfortable for people to go own that shit. Sorry. Um, and, and own that. Oh, and go, no. Yeah, this is who I am. And this yeah. is what I enjoy. Um, and that's something I see happen so often. And, and I feel very blessed that people are really allowed, uh, allow themselves to have those conversations and, and ask me um, and have those conversations quite openly about how, their experiences of, um, of sexual, I'm not saying sexual, dis, sexual dysfunction, but those curiosities and those, those questions that just, no one's no one can answer for them because it's, it's quite, it still seems to be quite a taboo subject, but. I'm so grateful and so happy to see that, that it's something that the world is starting to understand and embrace a lot more.
0: That is, I, I think it's such a, an important component to our humanity. I mean to, and, and to have this conversation, especially for those of us in late identified life, because just learning our neurotype is different has been such a huge jolt to our identity. And you almost experience an identity crisis, so to speak. And I love that you started with this one place, and that is masking. Because so often, I think that is one of the biggest contributors, in my opinion, and with my research and work, to burnout, And that Mm -hmm. is the chronic, the chronic masking. And one of those biggest areas where we, and for myself and so many of my clients that I've worked with experience this tremendous transformation of feeling empowered and energized within themselves is when we start to work through that area of our sexual identity and our sexual Absolutely. preferences and our needs within our own sexuality, you know, that relationship yeah. we have with ourself, our own body, our own pleasure, our own sensory touch. And mm-hmm. one of the things that you mentioned, and I would love to sort of expound on this is when someone comes to you and we're, you know, we're starting to talk about, okay. I, I recognize that, you know, the societal norms and all of the masking that I've done in this conforming to what I thought were the expectations. Like I'm a woman, so I should marry a man and I should have two kids and a house and a mortgage and a car. And we should be, you know, yeah. doing sports on the weekends and vacations and all this stuff that we've been killing ourselves for decades trying to yeah, meet these benchmarks, right? But inside we were going this isn't me. This doesn't make me happy. This doesn't meet my needs. I don't feel like this is me. I'm just showing up, playing a part. What have you found or how do you usually guide people as we start to explore? Like, well, sure. You know, I find men attractive, but I also find women attractive, or I find non-binary people attractive, or maybe I don't have a sexual desire that I'm feeling maybe there's other components I haven't worked through yet maybe there's a lot of maybe it just doesn't exist for me but mm-hmm. I do want to have an intimate relationship I mean how do we start to just navigate all these questions Lex
1: I think one of the first places that it generally arrives from is that confusion around relationships because predominantly there's always a, a level of of disconnecting relationships um, with people when I first meet them. There's either um, that they can't maintain one. Um, they're struggling to understand um, how to how it all works, how how this big picture works, and and obviously always the biggest thing that comes through is is the intimate side and, and the sex side of, of the relationship and understanding that. Um, but I think aside from um, sort of in addition to all of that, there's also things like relationship structures. So. Is it being with one person? Is monogamy a thing, the, the the right way, or is there is there um, is there some some benefits, or some uh, would would I prefer to have a a, a sort of polynom um, ethical non monogamous relationship? What fits for you? So it's it's a lot to do with that unpicking of values and boundaries and and how people want to experience their life, because I always hear, and I'm sure you do, and I'm sure every coach that 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 you've ever met has, here's over and over again. I just want to be normal. I just want to feel, I just want to be normal. And I always ask them who, who I just want to be like everyone else. And I always, I always, because I had the same thoughts and feelings I'm I'm sure you probably did too Uh, who is the normal person Um, because actually now I realize that that there is nobody that successfully does all of that other than what you see on Facebook and and generally we all know that when you scratch behind the surfaces of social media it's never quite as it looks on online but we do we look at that and we and we benchmark ourselves it's the same with pornography we get very skewed understanding of what sex is through pornography but equally it's also an opportunity to understand and look at um uh if that's something that that you're into so but equally pornography is bad dirty and that's what we're taught so we don't want to sort of delve into those things so it's i think it's understanding where they the for me it's that unpicking of the boundaries of the values of the beliefs of of what you enjoy about life um and then and then deciding, I mean, do you want a relationship? Do you want that typical relationship? Do you want to get married? I mean, I'm personally, I've, I've never got married because I can't stand weddings, I have to be honest. Too, there's too much going on in those things that I like and I can't get, get there on time, let alone sit there and doodle around and feel like a spare prick at a wedding all day. I can't cope with it. This it just, it just regulates me. Um, but also it was a, it's a construct I never wanted to be part of, but everyone would always give me this sympathy. Oh, you'll meet someone one day. And I think, will I? Oh my gosh, Okay. Am I going to meet, am I going to meet someone one day? Or I would get those sort of pity looks and be like, oh, he, he might ask you. what I think it's not them. It's me. I don't want to get married. I, it's something that freaks me out. Um, and I couldn't understand why. Obviously now I do. Now I get it because it's, it wasn't something that that fitted in the way my brain works and my, and my values and boundaries. Um, and, and one of the, again, one of the interesting things on my journey is that I, I, um, I, when I went through a, quite, um, a, a breakup from my a long-term relationship and, and there was infidelity in that relationship and I when it happened at the time it was never the the act that bothered me it was the betrayal it was that promise that something wouldn't happen and it did it was the betrayal never the act so then it made me question in my own mind like would, is, is monogamy my thing and what and then all of a sudden my brain was like oh my gosh I can I can challenge all the rules because Actually, I get to make the choices now. Um, and it was just, and then I found out I was neurodivergent and it was like my whole world popped and then exploring that my own thoughts and feelings and my own, um, my own views on, on my own approach to sex and sexuality. I suddenly started to realise, started to feel different about myself. I I dressed differently. I felt more confident. I felt a little bit silly and I loved it. And suddenly all of those, some of those barriers that I had up around myself, I started to let go. I started to wear regular choice shoes all the time because I just made me feel so great I didn't care and it's that confidence that I think sex being comfortable with sex and your own sex inner inner sexiness um that make that just shines through and gives you your swagger and and because you can own your own your body and your feel good and those chemicals and those emotions that that run through you on your terms and that, that meets you your needs and it's and it's always it's always those nuances of of um well, is that right? what will my parents think, or what will the next door neighbor think, or what will the kids parents? what will the parents at the school think and those are always the questions is that unpicking that rejection sensitivity dysphoria that kicks in um wondering if you're gonna meet people's ex- or fail to meet people's expectations um and suddenly you're in a big like a big mind mess again and 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 then just go okay would well, you know what? I'm even going to bother and and stay in the same run so the moral of the story, that story was, is it's about unpicking, unpicking all the masking. It's unpicking the, the rules that you've been living by, that you've been given. It's, they're very rarely our own rules. They're ones that we've gone, oh, that's how we're meant to do it. I'm going to do it that way. So unpicking all of those and then deciding how people actually want to experience their life on their terms. Oh, I love that.
0: You know, there's, there's two questions that I, I never asked myself. Um, and they're ones that I, I started asking myself in this process. And they're now ones that I help my clients ask themselves. And that is, what do I like? Yes, absolutely. Because that's one I never asked myself. What do I yeah. like? And then the next big one in that, and I think you're, you're speaking directly to this, is what matters to me? What do I think of myself? Not what do other mm-hmm. people think of me. What do I think of me? Absolutely. I mean, that's a powerful question, and most of us have gone for decades and
1: never asked ourselves that
0: question.
1: Yeah. How do you want to experience life? It's a, it's an incredibly powerful change, switch, and uh, sort of reframing of thought processes. Absolutely.
0: So Lex, as as somebody may be coming to this space where they're starting to peel off those first couple of layers of masking and they know somehow that their sexual identity, the one that they've aligned with up to this point, really isn't of their own choosing. It's something that maybe they just ascribe to because of the social structure that they live in that they grew up in. So that's that influences, mm-hmm. you know, who we are. And just may have said, okay, you know, I'm a white, white, cis, female. So that's just who I'm going to be in the world. How, How, but maybe that's not who I am. And I know on the inside, that's not my, my choice. That's not me. That's not really what aligns so that there's alignment in my life, in my internal life, in my external life. How do we start to navigate that? You know, how do we start to explore? Those feelings and those thoughts that we might be having about our sexual identity.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I, the first place to go is find somebody who can give you a safe, non-judgmental space to just talk about it, because we secretly, somewhere deep down, do know exactly what we want and need, but we might have buried it under such a lot of judgment, guilt, shame, that we actually need to start like you say taking those layers off and we know we do know in our hearts apart what what it is that's missing um and having like i said having somebody who can give you that space where you feel supported where you feel that that person genuinely gives a shit as well that that is going to that is going to hold your hand, obviously sometimes metaphorically, because we're sometimes hundreds of miles, hundreds of thousands of miles away from each other, Um, but just give you that space and to ask questions and that is able to ask you questions too in order to draw out of you some of those thoughts that you you might be having conversations with somebody that you have never had with anybody in your life. Um, So that having that space and being able, because again, a neurodivergent mind loves to talk through things to solve and to explore and to process. So that is, I would say to anybody who's just thinking, oh, I just I just feel something's not quite there. I, I, this isn't a plug either, but this is just a, a true, honest um, place to go to. Is is somebody who can who can give you that space, who can give you that um, that that coaching and that and that and the questioning and allow you to ask questions and 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 ask if things are okay. Is this weird? I get I hear that a lot. Is that really weird, or is um or the, is this is this normal um and it's about being able to sort of have those really open conversations with people to say to find out what your normal is because that's the other thing is that that we don't have there isn't a normal there isn't a normal we we've we've just gone through lockdown we've got a new normal now there's a whole world that's different and we and we and and you at us as ourselves we we get we get to make the choices about how we want to experience um our, our own identity so it's um so I would say that the best place to start is finding that space, finding that person who you trust and you feel safe with to be able to ask ask those questions. And whether or not that's with a coach or finding somebody on an online community that you feel that connection with, um, I would say just, just have find that space to be able to get all of those thoughts in your brain and start to let them flow out. Oh, that's, that is definitely a
0: great place to start. The other the other thing, too, that I I want to touch on for a minute, because I think this often gets gets in the way and it's fear. Absolutely. We fear the judgment of other people. We actually Uh sometimes even fear
1: the judgment of ourselves. And I think that's probably bigger than the the external fear. I mean, when you look at, I mean, my, my paraphrase for rejection sensitivity dysphoria is the actual or the perceived failure to meet your own or other people's expectations. And so often it's our own expectations that we struggle with. I should be married by now. I should have children by now. Said who? Said who? You should be having great sex by now you're you're in your 30s I mean we should have all that 20s crap and we've got it all out of us we should be having great sex at some point and this is where does why are we not saying that why are we say I should be married I should have I should have I should have a, a mortgage by now I should have this I should have, who said who said why don't we say things like I should be having really great sex why am I not or I should be walking my identity I should be walking around with a with a blonde bob or a rainbow mohawk because that's how i own my own my identity we don't talk about those sorts of things um and and it's again challenging that 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 internal rule those internal structures that we've created about what normal looks like um and equally it can feel weird if you if you especially if things like deep pressure so um or anything sort of anything kinky um that can that can equally come up with those oh I think people think I'm strange what, what if people think I'm weird what if I actually would like to have multiple partners will people think I'm slutty well um what there's so many of, of those questions of of oh, what if what if what if the person thinks that what if I, what if people judge me what if they find out and then all of a sudden they were just not gonna we just don't we just shut down on it all again um so fear is um, and guilt and shame all of those things are, are, are almost co-concurrent when we're talking about um, sexual identity and, and sexual expression, um, but then, but then in itself, a lot of those are fed from those external factors. So, what if somebody at work knows that I like to be chained up at a weekend? Or what if somebody knows that I I like to express my sexuality this? What if someone realises that I'm gay or bisexual? What happens if? And and a lot of the times it's. That that's about sort of again unpeeling those layers and understanding where those fears actually come from. And if you've grown up in a highly religious household where sex is dirty or we don't talk about that, so I don't know if anyone's seen that happen, but that's how my life was. I don't talk about that. And it was like the dirty words of the house, and it was just you just did it to you just did it to have the seed and the egg that made a baby, and it's like heaven forbid anything else was enjoyable. It was almost repulsive. So. It took me a long time and actually it wasn't it wasn't until I was in my mid-20s that I suddenly started to think there's, there's god to me more that's a life than this, because this just isn't right. Um but I was also surrounded by people that sex before marriage and da da, 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 da and, and the, fact, the fact that we all it was it was just this expectation around me and I see that happen an awful lot. Um, societal shame and and sorry, if you can hear something in the background, my dog's flapping her ears. So I do apologise if it sounds like a helicopter going off. It's just my poodle having a head shake. Um, so it's so fear does have a massive part to play, as does rejection sensitivity dysphoria, and I think that's also really important to have on the table is around those fears, especially when you're in the moment, um, and also understanding the we we also come with quite a difficult uh, understanding of of intimacy, as I said at the beginning, and I mean my, certainly for my um, my autism assessment, my assessor, the, the psychiatrist who diagnosed me for the first time had used the frame willy windmill in her in my assessment report, because I literally said, if uh, I'll explain, I'll explain. I should leave it a little bit longer just to get that process mm-hmm. of it. But I would but literally when I was growing up, people could be unless someone was doing a willy windmill in front of me, I had no idea that they were interested at all. So I also found that that was a real sucker to my to my self esteem because I didn't think anybody fancied me because I would be sitting at the bar and everyone would be like, oh, that guy's checking you out and I'm like, no he's not, no he isn't and they're like he is and I was like and I couldn't get it and of course I didn't know why I just thought that I was strange so the knock on effect of self esteem which then um, can open you up to um, picking people who are just very direct and um, and not making great choices and then suddenly all these things can then lead you to thinking oh my gosh I'm just I'm just I've just getting this all so wrong Um, so again understanding some of those nuances about our communication and how we and how we interact with the world from a communication perspective as well has a massive impact on on how we how we develop and sustain or not sustain if we don't want to sexual relationships so um, and what the rules are I think that's another big thing to that, that pulls into that fear category of that sh- and shame and guilt is, is the what's the rules around, can, are you allowed to have one like stands? Because I'm sure that's not allowed or all those sorts of questions too. That's such a big part of, of the discovery
0: journey too and just sort of taking time to check in with yourself. And that is just to allow the space to ask yourself some questions. Number mm-hmm. 1 it, are all the things that I believe about my sexuality and my identity are they true right mm-hmm. now Are they maybe they were true for me 10 years ago but are they true for me right now in this moment Absolutely and being able to also just
1: explore
0: cuz I'm always about being the scientist in your own life and giving yes. Oh I love that that's such a great way of
1: looking at it Love it. So
0: definitely put your, put your sexiest lab coat on that makes you feel really sassy and just start exploring. And, you know, one of Mm. the things, and I I want to talk about this just for a second, because I feel that sometimes media pornography images that we see in the world, when it comes to our bodies, sensuality, uh, what we are perceiving as being pretty or sensual or, you know, sexy or whatever, that often, and I didn't recognize this, it took a little bit to dig to this, but those images, number one, it's all fantasy. It's mm-hmm. not reality. Pornography mm-hmm. is just like a visual fantasy. It's not yep. the reality of what happens with our bodies. It's not the reality of what happens in actual sex. I mean, when we get it definitely real definitely doesn't sound
1: like any of the snapshot no. photography.
0: <laughs> I mean, we, folks, if we're gonna get real about it, I mean, there's there's smells, there's sounds, there's touch, there's things that just like slide off into a
1: different direction. And the older you get, the further south the <laughs> yeah, Absolutely from all sorts of directions that might surprise you a little bit. You just don't know. Do <laughs> and it's those same. things become a real surprise and freak you out. So yeah, sensory stuff is massive. Yep. And just being able to
0: openly ask yourself and give yourself permission and empower yourself to go, you know what? I might be, you know, 50 or 60 years old. And as a woman, I've never experienced a vaginal orgasm. Yep. You know, and just so you know, folks, it's like 20% or less of women can actually have vaginal orgasms easily. You know, there's all kinds of things. And for the most part, we've lived scared of our bodies, mm-hmm. scared of our bodies performance level, quote unquote. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know personally, and I think I know pretty much every woman I've ever talked to has faked orgasms for most of their life because they just weren't feeling it. And they felt Bag, Absolutely, not wanting to tell their partner, "Well, hey, this isn't doing it for me." Yet they seem to be really enjoying themselves. So you just finally get to a point where you're like, "Okay, I'm just tired of this, and I'm just tired of trying." Okay, oh, that yeah. was great, thanks. And then you're just Absolutely. like, "Absolutely, let's get it to go to an end."
1: Come on, let's get to the finish, Let's get to the finish line. <laughs> I'm just going to do a couple of oohs and all, and hopefully, you'll get the message. Yes, yeah. there's. Um, I did actually win a faking orgasm competition in uh, Greece when I was younger, so that's like another claim to fame of mine oh my gosh that's like
0: the best scene from when harry met sally (laughs) for all of you who are at least in our 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 generation you know what we're talking about if you don't go google when harry met sally orgasm scene (laughs) you will see how well women can fake an orgasm (laughs)
1: simply sitting in a restaurant (laughs) But then again, there's also that expectation to do it because, that is, because it's, it's almost like that's the expert. And if you don't, it feels quite like, why can't I? And then it becomes an issue. And then it's a thought process, like, why can't I do it? And, and then it becomes a thing. And, and suddenly it can feel su- under such pressure because you can't do it. And then that in itself can make it feel sort of quite uncomfortable. And the thoughts with an ADHD brain the thoughts that you're having about does my body look okay is everything all right am I positioned the right way is he enjoying it as it or is she enjoying it and there's so many thoughts going on that actually it's almost impossible for us to sort of become locked into that moment and engage in that moment um, but I think another thing that I just wanted to highlight is actually the 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 realm especially with neurodivergent minds around sort of hypersexuality as well as as the the opposite of that um because there's also that confusion sometimes for people who just don't um who just don't have that desire uh and have always felt they have to um meet other people's needs because it's not something it's and and how how complicated that can feel is if, if you don't have sexual desire the same way as if um if you're in a relationship and you're incredibly sexual and then sometimes there's times when we just shut down and it's, it's sensory, it's overwhelming. It's, it's, and that can be very confusing for partners or, um, or people around you that suddenly well, that's different. What's going on? If I upset you, have I done something wrong? And it suddenly creates questions for us to answer. And sometimes we don't have the answers to that.
0: Oh, Lex, I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause that really is such a big aspect of it. And, you know, I'm 48, so I can turn around and look at some a significant amount of time behind me. <laughs> and, and you look at that and, you know, I, I reflect on my relationships. I mean, I've been married twice and it's, I look at that and I was like, you know, there were so many times where I questioned, do I really don't even like sex? Mm. I don't enjoy sex. I have no desire for sex. And when I look at that, I I can now see there were some components that were influencing that for me. One was burnout, burnout, influenced that I had no sexual desire when I was just in burnout there. I was Mm. barely functioning. So, you know, when your sexual desire is probably going to be one of the first things that drops off.
1: Absolutely. Um, Yep.
0: The other aspect for that, for me was also. Uh, Uncovering some things that I didn't know. And one of those was that I'm alexithymic. So there were times when maybe I was feeling all the feelings and lots of emotions and lots of sensations, but I couldn't work through them or process through them to really identify what they were. And I really Mm -hmm. didn't have the vocabulary within myself to identify what those emotions or feelings were. So for a lot of times, In sexual relationships and encounters, I felt disconnected. It was just like a a rote physical act that I was disconnected from. And of course, you know, the ADHD part of my brain was thinking about like the grocery list or all the other (laughs) things, you know, like what I was supposed to be studying or, gee, what is that? piece of dust that I'm looking at on the fabric you know all of the things yeah and you do still, you
1: still oh my gosh there's a, a, a bit a patch of hair I didn't shave all of those sorts of in the moment ah oh yeah absolutely. or you're
0: holding your breath so you're holding your stomach in to kind of keep everything where you
1: think it's supposed to be and you're oh God, not God, really not to let your boobs jiggle too much I don't know that just might be my issue <laughs> I'm always like I'm gonna I'm gonna harm you if I keep carrying on yeah so yeah forget that all of those thoughts definitely you know, are very real
0: like, Being able to recognize that the differences in our neurotype and in our physiological experiences, because we have neurodistinct brains and neurodistinct bodies, you guys hear me say this all the time. So our experiences in sex can be very varied and different yeah. because there's also times where now I'm very in touch with my body. Sometimes I'm now experiencing multiple orgasms and sort of like in a wave. And I didn't even know that was possible. And, you know, you can experience vaginal and clitoral orgasms. And for me, those are two totally different things. Those are Absolutely. two totally different experiences. They're not the same orgasm. Yeah. And, you know, but no, so one ta- no
1: one tells you this stuff.
0: No, nobody tells you this no stuff. One talks and to you, you about know this what? Stuff. There's also a place that I reached, which has been really phenomenal. And that is, I don't have to have, nor do so. I want to always have an orgasm during sex. Sometimes I just want I to agree. have sex for the int- intimacy and the connection. Sometimes it's just like the physical release because my ADHD needs that sometimes. Absolutely. And I'll just tell my partner, you know, I'll look at him and go, hey, you don't have to work yourself to death or anything like that. We don't have to do anything special. I just need like a connection moment and I'm not really looking yes. for the big finish or anything. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. And it takes that I also find it quite off. regulating sometimes. Sometimes yes. I find it quite regulating sort of, and, and, and again, it might you know, depend upon, I might overshare over here, but being sort of pinned against the wall and that pressure and, and just, it's sometimes such a relief and it's not even about, and that, that the other person can feel like there's so much pressure to, to, but but you haven't come yet. Well, I'm cool with that. I'm. I had a great time. It's not all about the finish for me. Might be for you. Definitely not for me. Um, I totally on board. I totally agree with you there. It's ne- It's the actual act in its entirety is not always. And actually, sometimes I quite like that. It's a little bit of a build up for the for the carry on of flirting and and the the, the sexual chemistry going on between those times. So, and again, but definitely. no one lets you talk about these things. Nobody lets you talk about these things, and 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 it's um. And and ask those those questions about is it true is it real it's just all of those things that you're reading in cosmopolitan I don't know if that's being one of though but I used to read in cosmopolitan and think oh my gosh that's really that's I can't I can't talk, I can't read that that's that's naughty <laughs> so it's um, yeah no i understand and i think another thing you talked about connection and i think that can often be if we feel a disconnection from our partner whether or not it's a a long-term partner or somebody that you're dating within the short term if you feel a disconnection from them or if you feel that they've had an argument it's very hard or there's been something happened in the day and you just feel quite disconnected um you cannot want to and it can feel again quite Uncomfortable, like it's a change, and it's and it and it's unexplainable. But that other person can feel quite rejected, but you're just not feeling it for some reason, because that connection's there, because the communication, the the nuances around that just are a bit, a bit, a bit wobbly, and we can't, like you say, can't verbalise what 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 it is. It's just not today. I just or being touched out or some of those other sensory things that we have going on.
0: And that's such an important part of the discovery process in sexual identity, I think. Uh, And I love this because I think you and I have probably had some chats about this prior to this, this conversation here today. But, you know, part of that is, it's just simply trying something, Mm -hmm. you know, and just because you try something doesn't mean that you're committed to that or that's who you are. It's the experimentation of I'm allowing myself this space. I'm giving myself permission to try out, you know, sex with somebody that might be bisexual. Uh, Try something out with somebody of the same sex. Try something out with, you know, someone who's transgender that's interested in having sex with you. I mean, it's just having sex with more than one person, um, you know, at a time. It's, It's about whatever you're interested in or curious about that you feel really drawn to because like you mentioned earlier you know I mean in your if you really check in with yourself you know what you were needing you know what you're wanting mm-hmm. and sometimes you you know and I'll just tell you I mean there's things that I've thought okay this seems really intriguing and in my mind this is like turning me on and then you you want to try it you do it in real life and you're like yeah, that wasn't
1: quite <laughs> what I was looking
0: for. When it was like, yeah, it's <laughs> so like okay, but you know what? Next. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a reflection on you being or not being something. It's not a reflection of yeah. you doing something or not doing something well. It's just data, and it's just like, oh, I tried that. It wasn't really for me. You know, mm-hmm. it, it it didn't fit,
1: and, and that's okay. the limit as well yes. I mean there's lots of, and again there's when you when you look at it, the sort of the kink world there's lots of there's lots of great rules you can follow I mean there's 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 limits there's hard limits there's tough limits there's uh there's, there's boundaries that you can push and so again for our brains it's like really great I I I, I find real comfort in that I know no if you want to do that stuff find someone else I am not your girl but if um, I'm open to this and I'm I'm, and, and actually being able to be that free with your thinking is amazing it's lovely but equally you know the rules you know your rules you've got your hard limits and there's the places you're not prepared to go um, but the ones it also I just want to say when you talk about having what about having sex with yourself and having that giving and, and exploring yourself that way as well I think and quite often that can be so indulgent for somebody and almost like again, it can be quite a big barrier for people to step over is that it's okay to do that just on your own as well. Um, and that can also be a door that's quite, quite well closed, because it's self-indulgent. And, and um, what, and there's no, there's no real, real point, well, what's the point? I should just do it when I'm with somebody else. And, and that can also be quite a big barrier that I found is people just being okay with the fact that they can, they can do it themselves. And you know, the really
0: great thing about about the self-exploration with masturbation or just not even masturbating, but just experimenting with touch and sensory stimulation and fantasy stimulation within your own experience. I mean, sometimes I have discovered something that I like simply through surfing through porn, you know, and Mm -hmm. you find something that because it is fantasy or I love to read erotica.
1: Like yes, I really yeah.
0: love good erotica. And, you know, it's not always easy to find, but you can. And when that is fun, because you can find different categories of it and you can read something and it kind of gives you ideas. And then you can imagine, and you can, you know, sort of touch and just give yourself and set, set up, sort of just sort of this sacred space for yourself I mean I don't even know if I call it Mm. that or a century sensual pleasure place for yourself and just say you know hey this is time I'm given to myself and you know that goes back Mm. to values and boundaries yeah it's like absolutely do what do I value do I value Mm. my health well part of my health because number one for me my value wheel of top five is health so for me, like yeah. my, my sexual health is just as important as my, you know, eating healthy and exercising part of my health, you know, it's, it's equally as important. So in that, I have to set a boundary within my time and my schedule in the week to say, this is just my personal sensu- sensual time with me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't mm-hmm. need to, ha- I don't have to have somebody else.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely absolutely that's a big one (laughs) yeah it's incredibly empowering yeah and and absolutely right it's the opportunity to explore to see how you like touch how do you do you like if do you like hard touch soft touch sort of feather touch um and that that is a great opportunity to do that when you don't have to feel someone else's you're having to tell someone else or ask somebody else if you just want to explore those things on your own terms
0: and I think and as, as we are exploring sexual identity and just sort of giving ourselves permission to just even question hey, is this really who I am? Is this truly where I am right now in my life? Is this who and what I am attracted to? And a lot of that just goes back to the foundation of just educating yourself on what's available. Because, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of us, it's interesting you start reading about um. And you start really reading about polyamory and pansexuality and bisexuality and all these different varieties of sexual identification. And Mm -hmm. as you start to read and you learn more and you start to have conversations, you start to go, Oh, I didn't even know that was a possibility. I didn't know that existed. I kind of feel that way and that feels like an alignment
1: with me. Now I have a word for it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Curiosity. Sometimes you just gotta follow your nose and trust that sometimes it leads you to all the right places. But we we begin to become quite, I think, I think that's probably a societal issue though is we become quite fearful of curiosity. We get told to stop asking why at very young ages. But um, but equally we should we should become, we should stay curious, especially our minds. Our minds want to be curious, we want to explore. Um, and it's where we are where our happy place is, it's where our, our enjoyment is. Oh, I
0: love that. I love that. I think that's where we're going to stop because I don't think it could get any better. It's finding your happy place, (laughs) finding your joy, what that is for you. And it doesn't have to look like anybody else's because here's an insight tip, guys. There's no such thing as normal and nothing and no one meets any expectation ever. (laughs) Embrace your weird. The weird is the best part. I love it. I love it. I love the weird too. Lex <laughs> Harvey-Brenn, thank you so much for being here today. And if you guys love her as much as I do, go connect with Lex at coachingneurodiversity.co.uk. And if you have the opportunity, go check out on June 28th, her presentation at the International Coaching Federation. ND in Coaching. This is part of their Belonging and Inclusion series, and it is open to all people. It is open to the public. It is not just for International Coaching Federation members. Thanks so much for being here today and having a conversation about sexual identity. Thank you so much, I really enjoyed it. Thank you.
1: I did too. Bye.
0: If you are someone who likes to help people and share what has made a difference in your life, please share this talk show with a friend and on your social media accounts so that you can be the blessing in another late identified autistics life. Be sure to tag me at Social Audie so I can personally say thank you. And to help keep the talk show ad free, please consider becoming a one-time or a recurring supporter through either Buy Me A Coffee or the Anchor Podcast links in the show notes below. I truly appreciate your support Thank you for being a listener and thank you for adding your voice to our story.